Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we got Jameson Maxwell. And Jameson, we're about to start a, another one of the signs of the incoming season, and that's our full roster breakdown. Uh, we are going to talk about the offense, defense, special teams, and I, for one, am very excited. Uh, fall camp is over. Game prep's begun. We're ready to roll, pretty much. Yeah, and it's going to be a hefty little session for you, YouTube watchers. Um, for podcasts, I figure we will cut the Oklahoma offense and the defense into two. Is that correct, Bobby? I believe you are correct. Yeah, yes, so, yeah go we're going to have a megapod right now, essentially, on YouTube. If you're listening on podcasts, go subscribe to us on YouTube. We'll go through every single position group give projected starters and just kind of our overall thoughts for these guys moving the season. I think this is a really important one to listen to if you're an OU fan, because you may think, you know, a lot of stuff about the roster and the returners, but it'd be a nice idea to not be surprised whenever you see a certain couple people trot out there with the ones um, come September 2nd. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. This is the catch up, the way to know the new guys, the guys who have risen through the ranks, Guys, you might not know about this is the pod where we break all of that down and catch you up to speed. So, Arkansas State comes around, you know what's up. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we should just jump to it. We're going to start offense first, and obviously, we're going to start with quarterback. And I think it's a foregone conclusion since Ty's not on this podcast. We will just go ahead and say Dylan Gabriel is the undoubted number one quarterback, and really, we're expecting a lot from him. Um, but to be honest with you, I just want a par for the course Dylan Gabriel year. Obviously, with injuries derailed his season last year, would we be talking about Dylan Gabriel in a different kind of tone if he didn't have that concussion? I think so. Really, you know, him coming going out with the injury in the TCU game really kind of spoiled a lot of OU fans. And even though he was having troubles, the amount of turmoil that he put us through with that injury and losing to TCU in Texas kind of leaves a sour taste in a lot of fans' mouths. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, I I think I think how bad things were when he was out, you know, really coded that uh, quarterback room. Um, and I know there's a lot of frustration because he wasn't on that level that we've seen in the past. He wasn't Caleb mm-hmm. Williams. He wasn't. He wasn't. You know, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, and the inability to get it done on third downs overthrows moments where we could have really jumped on teams but didn't um i think that really that sh- that showed as a difference between ou teams of the past and and this year so for me gabriel really isn't and i've uh, we've obviously talked about it at nauseum he's not as bad as people think i know people are excited about jackson arnold i know people are excited for the future but what happened with caleb williams was an anomaly not all freshmen can just go out like that and go crazy you need to give the kid time. Um, mm-hmm. And not only that, but I think Gabriel, from what I've heard, he's he's looking a little bit better in practice. He's looking a yeah. little bit sharper. He's a true leader, and he's setting into that role. And I feel like the biggest thing that was a knock against Dylan Gabriel last year were um, the one thing being the biggest, in my opinion, was he did not do well under pressure. It seems like he would always kind of squirm and he'd either, you know, get sacked in the pocket once his first read was gone, he'd key in on his wide receivers, um, or he just didn't deal well with pressure overall. 
And I think being in the same offense two years now, everyone was saying, oh, he knows Jeff Levy's scheme. He'll fit right in like a glove. Obviously, there's still a steep learning curve whenever you come into a brand new team. It doesn't matter who your offensive coordinator is. I think that him coming in with his second year within the offense um, will be a really big jump for him and having you know a guy like Jillo Farouk and Drake Stoops as kind of like his safety blankets. I think we will see an uptick in terms of his comfortability and his pressure-making decisions to where hopefully a lot of those weaknesses will be a little bit stronger. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think that chemistry with those guys too, massive, massive, um, that, that will be massive for him this year. Um, because you're right, you, even though the scheme is similar, you, you just, you need to be able to play, you know, with your guys, have that connection. And I think another another year, like, like you said, it, it has done a lot for him uh, having that time. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm optimistic about Dylan Gabriel having a really strong year, um, looking a lot better than we, we saw him last year. So I, I'm, I'm with you, Gabriel. He's the guy excited to see him cook. Yeah. And, and the thing is, we already kind of talked about it a little bit. Jackson Arnold is going to be the fun topic when you talk about the quarterback. Dylan Gabriel is not going to be a fun topic. It's like I said, I think he's just going to kind of do what he's got to do. He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to make some good plays. He's going to have some games where he looks really good in the box score. And then there's going to be some where it's like, eh, that's not really an Oklahoma quarterback kind of box score. Jackson Arnold's the fun thing to talk about. He's a shiny new toy. Um, but in reality, I don't, it's not the Caleb Williams kind of mantra with him. Um, I understand we said that about Caleb Williams whenever he's coming through as Spencer Rattler, but Jackson Arnold is coming out and saying, I want to come in and learn, be that number two, so I can be prepared in the future to be, you know, the quarterback in the SEC for this Oklahoma Center football team. Caleb Williams came in and said, I'm going to win that job. It was a completely different thing. Jackson Arnold will be fun to see um, in terms of being a backup quarterback, but if we do have a situation where Dylan Gabriel goes down, it's going to feel a lot better knowing that Davis Bevel is in our backup. He, Davis Bevel is at the slate at the third spot. I understand there's some things about General Booty maybe getting third team um, snaps. It looks like as of recently in practice, Davis Bevel has been getting the third team snaps. Jackson Arnold will be a much more comfortable second team quarterback. So let's go ahead and move on from the quarterbacks. Jackson Arnold will be a lot more of a fun topic whenever we get to it, if we get to it, him being a starter during the year. But right now as a backup, let him develop, let him learn from Dylan Gabriel, let him learn the levy system, and then come in as a more polished, you know, true, probably true sophomore the way that they're going to play him this year and and next year. So running back, I think is a really, really fun um, conversation to have here. Uh, DeMarco Murray's came out and said, I have no starter yet. And I understand that's coach speak. DeMarco, of course, is going to say, I don't have a starter yet. I'm still figuring out things. But I I think it's true. I think that Javante Barnes was slated as a guy that should be the starting running back on this team. But he did have a couple of injuries. I know he had like a foot slash ankle injury that kind of took him out of part of the spring. And um, he hasn't been as, you know, solid in terms of his health as a guy like Gavin Sawchuck. And so Gavin Sawchuck versus Javante Barnes, who's going to be RB1? Who's going to come onto the field on that first snap of the Oklahoma offense versus Arkansas State and take the first team snaps? And it's going to be a huge question. Does it really matter in the grand scheme of things who's going to be the number one guy? I don't really think so. I think they will be a 1A, 1B. Um, I think, you know, and there will be some games where Javante Barnes is 
you know, skill set will probably be a little bit more important for this Oklahoma Sooners football team. He's going to make some good cuts, run between the tackles, and get you hard-fought yards um, to kind of push the game slowly down the field and really beat up the um, the other team in the offense. He's an absolute stellar athlete, stellar athlete, and can be a very special running back. But the Gavin Sawchuk just change of pace, the way he plays in the backfield, catching passes, um, and his speed that he brings – He's been making a lot of plays in this camp. And the way he's been playing, though, all the reviews, like some of the donor boards have been talking about him, It's I feel like it'd be so hard for DeMarco Murray not to choose him as a starter and let him go out um, day one because reward him how he's playing at camp. Yes, Javante Barnes has been playing really well in camp. Um, but Gavin Sawchuk, it seems like just from all the practice reports that I read, it seems like he's making the flashy big plays. And will you reward the guy that's been making bigger plays in these scrimmages, give him the first team rep, or you give the guy that you think might be more talented, overall, well-rounded running back and um, give him the first team reps. Like I said, I don't think it's that big of a difference in the, in the grand scheme of things, but Javante Barnes, number one, in my opinion, Gavin Sawchuk. Uh, I mean, I think Gavin Sawchuk, actually, I didn't even tell y'all what I think. I think Gavin Sawchuk probably will come out as the number one running back first um, first snap just to reward him. But it's a really 50-50 in my brain. Like I even had a Freudian slip just 20 seconds ago talking about it, where if Javante Barnes comes out the first snap, it makes sense too because he's the guy slotted at the position. But Gavin Sawchuk, the way he's played in camp, he's he's absolutely deserved it. So just to be a little bit different, let's say Gavin Sawchuk comes out first snap. Um, let's see what happens. Number three, Marcus Major. Marcus Major will be the number three back. He'll be the most seasoned out of a lot of this young running back room. Um, he seems like he's been making some decent plays in camp and it's never a bad idea to have a running back three as a guy who's been around town as much as Marcus Major has. But Caleb Hicks probably at number four. He's shown some good things. Tawi Walker could even take that number four from him. I think he'd be a number five kind of guy. He always has looked good. And he's a guy that whenever I've seen him on the field, like, dang, Tawi Walker is like really good, especially as a walk-on kind of guy. Like this guy is super underrated. I always like every single snap Tawi Walker gets. So, and then Dalen Smothers still with the team, obviously heard the rumors about him thinking about leaving, even though he came into a system as a true freshman where he knew he was going to be low on the depth chart. My guess is probably kind of angry that Tawi Walker was beating him out, but Tawi Walker is very, very good. He's been around this program for a really long time. He's developed a lot of respect. Dalen Smothers, you'll have your time, but just remember, like you did miss a lot of time in your last year of high school. There's going to be a lead up. You have a lot of skill. People have glowing reviews for you, but it's going to take some time. You can't just flip the switch and be like, all right, it's it's my time to shine as a true freshman after coming off an injury. Not even some of the great five-star running backs will do that kind of thing. So you'll be really fun to watch. I'm excited to see you because we're going to see all kinds of running back snaps. That's just how it is at the beginning of the season. We will see Dalen Smothers. We will see Caleb Hicks. We will see Tawi Walker in the second half of these, probably the Tulsa game, maybe the SMU game with Arkansas State game. It'll be fun to watch those guys. But that's the order of the depth chart that I'm thinking. It probably is just from what I've read. Um, we've lost Bobby. If you think I'm being honest, uh, talking head, it's because I don't see him. It just seems like I can talk all day about this depth chart, and I probably can because this is really fun to talk about. Let's go into wide receivers. And I want to start about with the outside wide receivers. Outside wide receivers are an interesting, interesting group. And if you are a loyal Schooner Pod listener and you listen to our preseason back in the spring, Ty and I did a tier maker 
Um, and we put the wide receiver group as a C ranking for this team because we just didn't know what to expect from them. There's a lot of question marks with this wide receiver group. Um, and there's Bobby back. I, I finished talking about the running backs. Um, don't worry. We're going to just hop right into the wide receivers, Bobby. Starting off with the wide receivers on the outside. I haven't said anyone yet. I think the starters on the outside, if we're going to play like a three wide receiver set, um, would be Jalil Farouk on one side, obviously. Andrew Anthony on the other side. Andrew Anthony, after having the ankle sprain um, a couple weeks ago, seems like he's back to full health and he's making big plays and scrimmages. Um, and then behind them, I think it'd be Nick Anderson would be the next guy up because it seems like there's a lot of hype there. Jaquez Petaway is like absolutely killing it right now. So I put him at four. Brennan Thompson, five. Jaden Gibson, six. Um, a lot of potential there. A lot of fun pieces to watch, but still a lot, a lot to prove. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely the position as the biggest question marks across the board. Um, just in terms of we don't really know a lot of these guys. We haven't seen a lot of uh, a lot of them, you know, really have that production yet. Um, but I think it's a unit that's been getting a lot of a lot of pretty good reviews from what we've heard, um, you know, it, in camp in the off season. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little different. But I'm I I think it's a unit that can be pretty solid. Yeah. And that's for sure. I, I think Nick Anderson will probably be the guy that I'm most like, I'm going to have a lot of fun watching for this season because Andrew Anthony will make big plays um, and him being a starter kind of slotted in there as a speed guy, he can take the top off the defense. He'll be fun to watch. But in terms of like potential of, I want to see a guy's trajectory. Nick Anderson seems like a guy who is kind of starting to have a trajectory within this Oklahoma Sooners offense in this off season. You know, came in as a true freshman, still had a lot of weight to put on, still had to really learn the system. He has, you know, a great frame as a wide receiver, but it seems like he just is slowly moving up the depth chart and slowly getting closer to second. He was like, you know, I'm, he's taking third team reps. Now he's taking second team reps. He's getting in some of the first team reps when Andrew Anthony was hurt. Like Nick Anderson should be a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. And, you know, I feel like we kind of mentioned this last week a little bit. Um, or the last time we really talked to you, but Nick Anderson's a guy you really kind of root for. I feel like whenever you have that nostalgia, that tie to a, you know a previous player, you get a, get really excited to see him play. And I, I think Nick Anderson, he's a guy that I think a lot of people were were pumped about for the name, but I don't know if until now people saw him as like a really major playmaker. Shaking out that he he will be a pretty key part to that wide receiving core, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think number four, I said Jaquay's Petaway, like the amount of quickness and foot speed that people are saying that he has in camp and he can just beat people off the line. Like, will he fall in line with these kind of freshman wide receivers to go out and show some things? He might not get crazy stats, but he will go out there and he will show some things to you and be like, wow, next season, whenever the wide receiver room thins out a little bit, and he gets his opportunity to show some because there's going to be a lot of turnover in that wide receiver room next year. I'm guessing, like Jaquay Spedaway has a lot to prove. Could he fall in the lines, you know, of like of like a Sterling Shepard came in and showed things as a freshman and then became like a major part of the offense? I'm I'm pretty sure Kenny Stills would have been another one. He came in as a freshman and also showed some things. Like there's a long history of Oklahoma wide receivers have done this. Um, could Jaquay Spedaway be that guy? Hi, Bobby. I think you're on mute. 
you gotta be this has just been the production from hell my apologies to everybody (laughs) but he's certainly i mean he's certainly online to be that um i think i think petaway is you know he's a name he's a name we've heard a bit and you know OU receivers it's very rare to see a guy um just immediately come in immediately be hot from the get-go you know as a freshman but petaway could be that um it's Mm -hmm. a it's a really wide open opportunity for him to uh step up and be a really really solid guy um because yeah i mean when you think of the biggest wide receivers recently they're always guys who have kind of funky circumstances um you know like sterling shepherd i believe was only like a three four star guy he was Um, a he was a four star that caught a lot of extra ranking at the end of the year but he was four he he ended he ended as a four, but when he committed to OU, I believe he was like a three. Uh, he mm-hmm. he was a guy that, I mean, as we know, uh, kind of he came on very hot in the end of his uh, high school run. So um, super interesting. But even then, he was kind of overshadowed in that class. Um, as we, uh, there's a five star who uh, clearly didn't pan out. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but I know what he did. We just won't talk about it. Um, and then you have got you have like a lot of JUCO guys, guys who just weren't supposed to be massive, and they ended up massive. Um, so I think Petaway would be would be pretty cool to see him go off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, he's got a lot of talent, and will just be fun to watch. Uh, Brennan Thompson is a kind of guy that I think a lot of people have been really happy about. Obviously, getting him from Texas, um, I kind of want to pump the brakes on expectations of Brennan Thompson. I don't think he's going to be this game breaker that everyone wanted him to be when we first signed him. He's going to make some plays. I just don't know how much opportunity he's going to have um, to get the amount of snaps to get this production that everyone kind of, you know, fantasized him to be. He will be fun to watch. Um, I just got to see it to believe it in terms of his production. Cause I'm guessing he's got a little bit to go in terms of his jumping up the depth chart. And I'm pretty sure he's had some health issues throughout the spring. So coming in as a late transfer, also been hurt a little bit. Um, he will play. Speed is undeniable, but I'm just not thinking he's going to be this kind of guy that everyone was making out to be. Oh, he's going to be the savior, the speed guy that we never had. Yeah, I mean, he he seems like a guy who the circumstances of getting him were really cool. You obviously mm-hmm. don't have a lot of Red River flips, um, you know, in, ter- in terms of transfers, um, but maybe on the field he's more of a gadget type of guy if we're being frank but mm-hmm. we'll see it we'll see how it pans out obviously the injury doesn't help the lack of time in that system doesn't help um and maybe down the line he could he he could be really big um but you know this is not this is not like a massive massive receiving ad um i believe he had what one catch last year against oklahoma state and that was about it um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I would like to see him do well. I think it'd be a really cool story, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't, I don't think it's there this year. Yeah. And just as a loop back, uh, 2012, Sterling Shepard was our highest ranked wide receiver. Uh, Trey Matwire the year before was the five star, probably, that you were thinking of. I was thinking uh, Matwire. Yeah. Cause everyone, yeah. Nobody was, everyone was thinking Matwire being like the main guy. And then because they played the same position, you know, they both mm-hmm. kind of slot. He's so the number 21 like, overall player in the country, five-star wide receiver out of White House, Texas. Yeah, that that's that was it. 
Trey McTwain. Yeah. So. And just quickly moving on, because um, there's a lot of talk about the wide receiver room, but Jaden Gibson's the kind of guy that go out and prove it. Obviously, a lot of drop passes, a lot of drop passes. Um, yeah, I think it's really kind of plagued him a little bit. So we'll see how he goes. It's it's always been he's better been better in the spring than during the regular season because he didn't get a lot of run last year. But I think we really what people want to hear us talk about when we talk about wide receivers. So like you're talking about all these outside guys, but you know like the real stars are probably at the inside. I think wide receiver one and maybe even wide receiver two could sneak into it is a slot wide receiver. And the way Drake Stoops has been the safety blanket for Dylan Gabriel, he's going to be wide receiver one. Yeah, will Drake Stoops go get those 40, 50-yard touchdowns over the top, you know, seam routes on the side? No, that's not what Dylan Gabriel's strength was. We always said it last year, Dylan Gabriel did struggle with the deep ball in terms of his accuracy. Getting into the middle of the field, finding the gaps in zone, beating a guy off the line of scrimmage, having great hands, that is Dylan Gabriel's best friend, and Drake Stoops can be that. And the guy behind him, Gavin Freeman, has been absolutely just destroying in camp. And the way that he was played as a freshman last year, as a walk-on, you know, the amount of speed and gadget they gave him showed you what this coaching staff thought of Gavin Freeman. And now I think he's going to even take a bigger jump from what we're hearing. That is a really, really fun wide receiver room in terms of the slot. Oh my gosh, yeah. that That is definitely just incredibly exciting obviously we know what we have with stoops at this point very very big play always shows up when you need him um and gavin freeman you know we got bursts of him last year but man mm-hmm. the bursts we saw were absolutely just wonderful guys an absolute playmaker um and like you said we're hearing a lot of really really good things about gavin freeman about him you know potentially being one of the best wide receivers you know in that room um which is Pretty, pretty big, pretty high praise, uh, pretty big stuff to say the least out of a, you know, a sophomore guy uh, who wasn't used a ton last year. Um, so, yeah, I would say I, I think I think Freeman using him more in that offense that th- there, there's never a bad thing adding in more Gavin Freeman. Oh, yeah. And it just seems like every single practice report I read, it's like, oh, and Gavin Freeman got another touchdown. He got loose in the middle of the field and made a big play like he will still get these kind of plays where he do like a loop around and like end around or, you know, a double reverse. He's going to try to get, they're going to try to get the ball in his hands. Um, but let it be known because we heard people in the chat. I think Jimmy was asking this, who's going to be wide receiver one. I, I think do want to say one more, one more point on Gavin Stoops. Freeman. Yes. One more point yeah. on Gavin Freeman. I think for me, his goal as a player should be so to be, he should be, he should strive to be so good that people stop for, uh, forgetting he's not Drake Stoops every yes. time he makes a big play. And as it's going to be we, horrible. It's going to still happen. Oh yeah, the stoops, the stoops chance will happen because because of the two on the back end, and that's definitely the only reason why you would think of uh, mix up Gavin Freeman and Drake Stoops is because they both uh, have a number that ends in two. Uh, that's it. No, no other reason. But um, no, I Gavin Freeman <laughs> just just stop chanting stoops at Gavin Freeman. Take a take a break. Take 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 a second to realize who made the play, and then and then do it or don't do it. Yeah. Let's talk about wide receiver one. Exactly. Yeah. Drake Stoops is wide receiver one, and he is 12, number one, two. Gavin Freeman is number eight, two. One and eight are very, very different. Just double check yourself, OU fans. But Gooner's going to Gooner. I guarantee it's going to still happen. It's going to even happen more this year because Gavin Freeman is going to get more targets than he did last year. So, Bobby, I, I appreciate your PSA here, but it's going to continue to get worse. 
Oh yeah, it, it it'll just keep happening for sure. But and by the way, for those new to the show, we we do we do use the word gooner. You know, we 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 use it as an enduring term. We're trying to take the word gooner back from the Oklahoma State fans. You know, we, we use it in the same way that Alabama calls some of their fans gumps. You know, it's 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 an endearing term. Sometimes we a gooner. Not all Sooners are gooners, but all gooners are Sooners. Particularly the ones that tweet at recruits and tweet at recruits moms. That that's a gooner. That's the type of gooner behavior uh, we mm-hmm. we've seen. We've seen a lot this off season. So you know, don't don't take it too personal if we refer to the if we refer to the gooners. Uh, if you're upset about it, then you unfortunately probably are a gooner. You are very passionate about your Oklahoma Sooners, and sometimes it goes a little too far. But you know that happens to a lot of us Oklahoma fans. Like Bobby and I have both had very goonery moments in our time. Oh, yeah. uh, but Absolutely. you'll continue to hear a lot throughout the season. Um, in terms of the wide, yeah, yeah, Bobby, Bobby's definitely gooned it up. That is, that is for sure. Um, let's, let's just kind of one last note on the slots. Um, LV Bunkley Shelton's probably number three. Um, he still will get some run just because the slot is a favorite Dylan Gabriel. Um, but you'll see a lot of Drake Stoops, a lot of Gavin Freeman this year. Uh, moving on to tight end. And this is a group, and I kind of already mentioned this, um, earlier as well in terms of our tier maker that Ty and I did in the spring. Ty was big on the tight ends. I wasn't so much. We ended up putting them at a B, but I think this is the scariest group that the, the bottom can fall out really quick within. And I'm nervous. I think Austin Stogner is a fun piece. It seems like in camp he's doing things like that people expect him to do, but he's not making too many wild plays. He's a tight end. How many wild plays is he really supposed to make? I understand that. It's not going to be the flashiest position when it comes down to fall camp. But still, behind him, Jason Llewellyn and uh, as as kind of like the receiving tight end behind him, and then the blocking tight end being Blake Smith. Blake Smith claims to be the number one blocking tight end in the country. I, I hear him, but okay, let's 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 chill out for a little bit. This tight end room is thin. Blake, Jason Llewellyn's just now coming off foot surgery and starting to get consistent reps in practice. Blake Smith, you know, walk on kind of guy, and Austin Stogner obviously has been back and forth with this football team. A tight end is always a really important person to have in terms of a quarterback and his comfortability. But I figure a lot of these quarterback comfortability, like that you get out of a tight end in a traditional offense, will probably be taken away from our slots. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, Stogner, obviously his time at OU was up and down. He had his high points, he had his low points, but to me, this tight end position, it's like the meme where it's a little Cheeto uh, basically holding the lock to lock in, you know, like one of those old <laughs> yes. school. Yeah, that's the, exactly the only thing, right. The only thing keeping the door from busting down is Austin Stogner. And unfortunately, he's a bit of a Cheeto because hey, Cheetos are still good, though, but Cheetos, it's just maybe not the best thing to use as a lock. <laughs> exactly. Cheetos. Incredible. You love them. They're great. But the problem is Cheetos can break easily. And Austin Stogner, as we as we unfortunately have seen in the past, little injury prone. So that is kind of the concern to me with that tight end room. If Stogner goes down, I have no idea what's what what's going to go on with the tight ends at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Just probably be ended up being just another blocker, and they'll just have to use a lot of three wide receiver sets, which won't be the end of the world. But still, you really want to see a tight end be a significant portion of your offense. Let's move into the offensive line. Fun little conversation here because 
I think there's pretty much a solid offensive line group of five guys that they already understand are going to be the starting five. But who are the guys like six, seven, and eight that Bill Beanbow will put into the system and get looks at? Bill Beanbow likes to um, to rotate in these early games to see what these guys got. And he is not afraid to change up who's the starter throughout the midseason. So at left tackle, Walter Rouse. Let's just talk about um, just the starters first. Walter Rouse at left tackle. Left guard, Savion Bird. Center, Andrew Rame. Right guard, who I think is probably like the, the weakest point that someone could lose a job at, would be McKay Mattire. And then right tackle, Tyler Guyton. Any other weaknesses or, or like points from these guys that you're looking at this season, Bobby? I will say a lot of people, a lot of angst on OU Twitter and, you know, the discords, all these, you know, chats about McCade Matower, uh, Matower. I, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, uh, about him being the starter. A lot of people, you know, kind of saw that as a weak point last year. He was not great, but, but I think from what I've heard, he's kind of proven himself. Mm-hmm. He's, he's pretty solid, pretty steady. And, my thing is I trust Beatenbow. And if he truly thinks McCade Matower is the guy, then I trust him. Uh outside yeah. of that, everything I've heard, this offensive line looks excellent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I am hoping that they will be a solid group for us because I say this all the time. If you're a loyal listener, I will say the offensive line is the most important um, position in all of college football. These are guys that will go win you games because if they can push teams around and get the running game going, it just completely opens up the whole offense. You know, in the pros, the quarterback is, because the quarterback can diagnose the defense beforehand and absolutely pick them apart. And the defense has so many athletes that it's hard just for, you know, five grown men to actually change the game too much. Five grown men who are all working together can break down a college defense. So if we can get a solid group of five guys that stay starters and we don't get switches too much, that would look really good for the optimism of this team. But if you're talking about guys who are kind of next up, who have an opportunity to take a spot, like I said, with McCabe Mattire at right guard, Caleb Schaefer is probably behind him at right guard. He's the Miami of Ohio. Um, he's taken 22-58 snaps, according to OU's website. Um, majority of those at left guard. It's a guy that's had a lot of experience, has shown some things in camp. And then the other guard that could have a possibility is also getting around at center is Troy Everett. Um, your guy from Yosef Appalachian State, um, second team freshman All-American last year. Um, so there are some guys that you can look at and say, like, they could take those spots at guard, probably are two weaker positions of the of the offensive line group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the depth is there. I don't know. I, I think it I think it seems like it's defined to me from what I've what I've heard. Um, when they release the roster, sorry, the depth chart uh, next week. I don't think we're going to see surprises, but I think if someone gets hurt, something bad happens, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's what I assume, but just kind of going down, who are the backups of these other positions at left tackle? I think Caden green is probably your backup left tackle. True freshman from Missouri. He's shown a lot of things. And whenever you see a left tackle getting this much run, you know that he's going to be special. I remember a couple years ago, whenever Anton Harrison was saying he was getting first-team reps at left tackle, I was like, wow, really, Anton Harrison? I, I didn't really expect much of him. Now he's a first-round pick. 
Caden Green would probably be starting at left tackle if we wouldn't have pulled out the huge bag and got Walter Rouse from Stanford. Anton Harrison's extra little money that we had saved, and we got Walter Rouse last second. So Caden Green is kind of a fun piece to watch. You will see him rotating in. Um, will be that future at left tackle next year. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think you can really emphasize enough how massive that Walter Rouse addition was. Um, I know we were hyped about it. We did mm-hmm. a whole video on it, but everything I've heard is he's just incredible um, and will be an absolute anchor. And, you know, I, I think getting him in isn't really an indictment on Caden Green. Um, it just gives him some time to develop properly, get used to that physicality of college football at, at this level. It's a massive difference, um, especially in the line of scrimmage. So getting a seasoned vet, you can learn from who's been in these situations. That's that is excellent uh, for Kane Green. Yes. Um, so talking about other guys we haven't talked about in terms of the backups um, at center, Troy Everett will also be playing the backup center, probably at, at left guard as well. Nate Anderson will be that backup center. Andrew Rame is a guy that I'm kind of interested in this season. I feel like a lot of people unfairly characterized him as like the next Creed Humphrey as he was coming in because, you know, he's a local Oklahoma guy. He's, you know, well-spoken. Um, he's very, very smart. He's got a good head on his shoulders. And everyone thought he could take that kind of jump that Creed did. That's really unfair. Creed Humphrey is one of the best offensive linemen in the pros right now. And the way that he played at Oklahoma is really stellar. So I feel like that comparison is starting to go away in Oklahoma Center fans' mind. But now he needs to step up and be a leader. The center has to be one of the smartest positions on that football field. He helps the quarterback read and diagnose that defense. I think Andrew Rain can. Obviously, he's had injuries in his past. If he can keep a clean bill of health this season, I think that he could be a big tool if he keeps things together um, to help this offensive line be a solid group. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's a high standard when you come to OU, especially with that center position. We've had really, really good centers come through here under Beatonbow. And yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer that he's had the pressure he's had, but also that's just, that's OU football for you. You have to deal with that. Um, Seeing him take a big step, I think would be really, really exciting and really good to see out of him. It's always Mm -hmm. good when you have a player who's embattled and, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't bow down to the pressure that being an Oklahoma Sooner can put on you where you rise above it, take that leap that we always, always wanted them to take. And I think Andrew Rain could be that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a big, big season for his reputation. It's kind of in limbo right now. I feel like people have kind of mixed reviews on Andrew Rame. If he can go out, lead a solid season, people have a positive viewpoint of him. Uh, So going into the right tackle, I guess it's the only group that we haven't talked about in terms of their backups, Aaron Parks and Jake Taylor. Um, Honorary mention for someone that I didn't talk about, uh, Jacob Sexton still recovering from ACL injury. You might read like, oh, he's ahead of schedule. Don't rush the guy. Do not rush the guy with ACL injury. You know, I don't care if you're ahead of schedule. ACLs take a long time to recover physically and mentally. We might see him at the end of the season, but this is a kind of thing that they're not going to take lightly and they will probably ease him back in the season. Right. And that's, that's smart to do. Um, mm-hmm. it, and anything you add someone in at that point, it's basically like kind of an advanced rehab rep sort of thing, just to get you some live ball action, you know, at the end of games, hopefully OU's winning by enough where you can do that. So. Mm-hmm. All right. That's 
it on the offense. That was a fun little breakdown. We're staying on this YouTube stream and we're going to be talking about the defense for you listening to a podcast. We will cut this in two to make it a little bit more unified. Um, so we don't give you just mega episodes every single podcast because we've had some really long podcasts. So go ahead, listen to our Big 12 preview that we recorded last the night. The two-hour uh, Big 12 previews. <laughs> that was a lot of fun where we, all four of us from the weekend spread, ranked all the Big 12 teams, um, our top 10, and we provided our analysis. Uh, obviously, there's some disagreements on teams like Kansas State, TCU. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. It's a really, really fun watch, and it's something that we enjoy a lot doing every single year. Oh yeah. It's a classic episode every year. Always fun. Anytime we get all four of us together and debate something, it's perfect. Yeah. And it's going to be every single week now. So if you're listening right now and you aren't subscribed, we are coming out every Sunday with an episode. Um, this next Sunday, we'll be previewing the Oklahoma Sooners first game, what our expect- expectations are for the season. And then Wednesday we'll do our weekend spread. Where we'll pick the slate of each college football game coming up that weekend. Um, our top, I guess our 10 favorite, not each. Um, and we'll be starting that this Wednesday with some week zero, Bobby. So Ooh. we've got so much content we're throwing at you right now. Essentially, we got the Big 12 pod. That was essentially two pods in one. And then we'll have offense preview that we just recorded. Defense preview coming up next. And then a weekend spread. Four episodes this week from us. We're into full gear. I mean, it's, it's just a cornucopia of Sooner football right now. You're getting all of it right now. It's wonderful. Um, This pod will probably go up on Tuesday. And uh, yeah, you can look forward to that defensive preview. That'll go up on Wednesday as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, but hey, look, if you're on YouTube, you can get it right now. Hell, if you're listening to the podcast right now on Tuesday, you're like, hey, I want more. Give me some more of this defense. Just go to YouTube. The whole second half is already there. So, uh, yeah, Um, if you're listening to the podcast, we'll see you next time. Have a great one and Boomer Sooner.